Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro. David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. This is 105.3 FM Riverside and 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren, Mr. Joe Goldberg. Must be a thriller day. I'm in the house. You're in the house. The house is burning. The house is burning. Yeah, <laughs> pretty close. Sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty shocking. But uh, you, you know, I grind it my at night. I'm grinding so hard that my lower jaw I can't eat now. It's so sore. Stress. I guess so. I guess I was stressed knowing that I was going to be talking to you. <laughs> yes, that, that's right. I just eat when I have to talk to you. I go the other way. My job yeah. works over time. Well, you're a skinny guy, so you can eat. <laughs> Sorry. It's a bad connection, I guess. Yeah. You're a bone rack. And you're going to BoucherCon, I guess, soon? That's I'm going to Boucher next week. I'm speaking with the people that have been on the show. 
the Steves. Yeah. Gervais and uh, Stratton and a few others doing a, doing a panel on CIA and military and covert action, action sequences and writing. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be good. It's a, it'll be a good crowd. It's always a good event. So, All right, San Diego's not bad. Yeah, San Diego's a nice place. You know, beautiful place to be for a city. Okay, and joining, of course, is Mr. Gavin Stone all the way from the U.K., where, of course, they're not getting the fires. They're probably getting rain. Uh, yeah, the UK's usually raining, and luckily I'm not in the house, so I don't have to say anything about the bodies in the basement, so we're all good. Oh, it's all right. We need them, right? I mean, when you when you get isolated and the fires are going on, you've got to have something to eat. Well, there is that, I suppose, yeah. Roast it. Roast it. <laughs> now, today, we are talking to a writer, a thriller writer, right up the alley of both of you gentlemen, and kind of in the same league. And so here we go, Mr. Stuart Field. So let's uh, first welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me. And good morning or good evening, gents. It's all a blur. Yes. <laughs> Time zones, nasty, dirty things. Yeah, I don't think about it anymore. Just It's just one time zone, awake or asleep. <laughs> ah. I like that. I'm right that one down. I'm going to steal that one. Yeah, you do that. Well, so Mr. Stewart Field, so you've been around a lot. You've done a lot of books, and I noticed your John Steele collection, of course, and that's pretty. It looks like it's pretty popular. You have quite a few books in that. How how did you get involved in writing? Like, what brought you over to the uh, dark side? I think I've always been a writer. Um, when I was at school, uh, when we used to get the projects, the teacher used to say, "Here's a word, write a two-page story." And I used to fill the whole book up and used to get told off for it because I used to write novels back then. But then, obviously, I joined the life got in the way, joined the army, and that got put to the side when I got the new job doing security for the British Army. Just happened by accident. I was one boring Sunday. I just started scribbling in a notebook, and next thing you know, John Steele was born. Did you say wife got in the way or life? No, life. Life. Yes. <laughs> Enunciate. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just... So John Steele is, is one of your big collections. How do you come up with John Steele? Who is John Steele? John Steele is is an MI8 agent. Um, basically, MI8 is the secret service of the secret service. What I wanted to create was um, a mysterious character that could live in the shadows and get instigated into different things like the police forces and different places. Because, like James Bond, he's got to be the worst secret agent in the world because everybody knows him. And so what I wanted to create was some people think he's a slightly unbelievable character because he can slip into the shadows. And But that's kind of who he is. Um, he's an investigator. He's a British agent. And he's on the hunt for an organization called... Um, Santini, who was responsible for the death of his um, family. Now, Santini is also, I think I've almost mirrored it on the whole Spectre, um, an organisation that deals with, is in the shadows, and it deals with crime, murder, espionage, all those nice little things that us crime writers like to uh, pick the bones at. Stuart, when you started writing, you you start with the character as the, as the point, say, I need to put a story around him, or did you have a story idea that you need to build a character into? What was your thought process when you built out your books? books? Whenever I'm writing, I don't plot. 
Um, I'm I'm not one of these that can sit down and fill out post-it notes and they've got everything. I just let the story go. Um, I have no idea who the characters are going to be. Half the time, I have no idea what the plot is going to be, and I never know who's done it up until the end. Um, I just start writing, and I just let the story uh, take control, really. And I just find, if I'm surprised, the reader's going to be surprised. How, how much of your own experience have you brought into this? Absolutely not. Um, unfortunately, uh, my army career... Um, I was artillery, so I was in the rear. I was more in the rear than the rear. And so a lot of it is basically going back to... I was a fan of the original Bond films and Mission Impossibles and all those brilliant spy movies that we had in the 70s and the 80s. So a lot of it is a mixed match of that. Brought in from Army Korea, possibly none apart from weapons and tactics and stuff like that. Well, you you uh, beat me to that one, Alan. That's the, that's the question I was going to ask. Stuart's actually from the, the same part of the world as me. We're both from Wolverhampton originally. Um, so what, what, what part of Wolverhampton was it you, you were living in, Stuart? Finchfield. Finchfield, oh, not, not a million miles away from me. I was in, I was in Technol Wood. Yeah. So uh, I was, I was going to ask the same question as Alan about the, the tactics from the army, what, what you brought in. So where do you go to, to get your research and your answers for, for uh, you know, the kind of any, any of the, uh, the continuity or, or, the, or, or the countries that your characters visits or the, the missions that he does? Where, where do you get that information from usually? Well, with the countries that the character visits, um, that's the hard part of the job because I found you have to go to these places, like New York, you have to go. It's, it's all right looking at Google Earth and all the rest of it, but you don't get the sense of the, the country. You don't get the smells. You don't get the atmosphere. Um, I've been to New York six times. I, I think it's utterly brilliant. Been to Malta twice, and that's why I actually wrote the Malta story, because when we were there, we drove past the embassy, and it's a massive establishment, and it makes you think, why? Why is it so big and out of the way? And it makes you think, okay, well, there's a story here. But I think for any writer, you can look at Google Earth and all the rest, but you have to experience the actual place. You've got to, because, and especially a city New York or San Francisco or whatever, because if you're writing about something, the chances are that someone who's reading it will live there. So you can't say the man walked down East 40th Street in New York and the Brownstones. Well, guess what? There isn't. Um, so you, it's, and that's the, the meat and potato of our thing. You, as well as having a fantastic imagination, you have to get some sort of facts right or else people will just tear it to pieces. Um, some things you can get away with. I don't know whether you gents are the same. You do have an allowance, shall we say, namely you can put a diner where there possibly could be a diner. Or How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A gift shop or something. So the, the reader goes, okay, well, I can see that. But you can't put something where, you, know, you can't put a bookshop where there's a multi-story car park or something like that. Because the reader will pick up on it. So you, I, I get from that question. Actually, Stuart stole my question. I'm sorry, Gavin stole my question. So, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, uh, and you mentioned this. And I, it's a question I ask a lot of authors: Is do you think about your readers a lot as you're writing, especially since you're kind of constructing as you're going along? Yes and no. Um, I've actually learned, and this is from other writers, that sometimes you've got to be mean because you've got a lot of people that go. Oh, the character's going to do. It's like the first couple of books. Um, John Steele was working with a New York detective. Now, the reason I cut that short was he had to move on because if it carried on from a certain point, that would be the dynamic from then on and it wouldn't be the stories that I wanted to tell. And you've got a lot of people, oh, well, yeah, we want to read more of those. Now, if you bend to the will of all of the readers, you lose the story that they fell in love with. So you need to be a little bit selfish on that. You need to stick with the dynamic that you've actually created. But on other things, yeah, you you do, if somebody goes, oh, can John Steele do this? Or can Ronin Nash do that? Then you go, okay, well, there's a possibility of that. So a bit of give and take, really. And I don't know how you guys feel about that. Whether you feel the same, you know, whether you want to stick with the the dynamic that you've created rather than bending to the readers. Yeah, I don't care about my readers. Yeah, but no one cares about you either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this is true. So it's kind of a give and take. It's but it's a, it's a good. It's his he asked a good question. Then, you know, do we think about the reader? Do you think about the environment that we're writing in as we're, as we're constructing it? How about you, Gavin? My my environment changes all the time. I think from from yeah, right, writing the, the, the first book, I, I, it, I, it's been done across three different countries. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm probably not the best authority to answer that one. <laughs> yeah, and I only think about the reader myself as in response to earlier books. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know what I mean? Like when when people comment a certain way about a certain writing, then I'll think about it, and then. Uh, decide whether or not I should make that change, I guess. I guess that's the best way to say it, which I quite often don't. Well, that's a question for Stuart then. Stuart, as you're creating your 
world with with steel and and, and Ronan. Do you uh, have an idea of a sort of reason to write that? Is there a theme? Is there an issue? Or you just or is it purely entertainment? Um, it's it's mostly pure entertainment. I, unfortunately, I don't. I try and stay away from looking at news and all the rest of it because it's even though it's all current events, shall we say, a lot of it is doctored to what they want us to know about. And so you go, okay, well, take it for instance, for instance, the the Gulf War. There was a lot of Gulf War. We you know, we got soaked with it, and then suddenly there was nothing because the next topic came along. So. I think what you've got to do is you you need to find a you need to find something that the reader is going to be interested in. If you put in a small topic that people can relate to, then that's good. But it's like Gavin says, everything's changing that quickly. You can't stick with a topic because by the time you've finished writing the book, that story's gone. Right. So you have to be very careful about events especially if they haven't been resolved when you bring them into your story yeah uh, i mean you take the current events at the moment ukraine russia who do you pick as a bad guy anymore because the the bond books when fleming was originally right the russians were the bad guys um, it wasn't specter um, he chose specter came along later and i think that this is the thing because there are so many we live now in a world where you've got to be careful what you say, who you mark as a, a bad guy. And I think that's why I've created this organization, because I can do whatever I want. It's not going to affect anybody. It's not going to upset somebody because, again, in this climate, who do you pick as a bad guy without thinking, is this going to like bite me in the bum at some point? Yeah, I fully agree with that, uh, because... This week's bad guys is like kind of tomorrow's hero and vice versa. Uh, and I don't know about you guys, but I've found that with the um, whole COVID incident that's just happened, there's a very mixed reaction to that. And I'm wondering, as authors, uh, you know, should this kind of thing be mentioned in the book or is everybody going to be that glad that, you know, that we're not stuck in a, a lockdown, that it shouldn't be mentioned in any story or fiction work ever again? I ignored it. there's no reason for it to be not not necessarily because of pandemic fatigue we went through it it's a reality so it's the way the world was and it changed changed the way people react but it wasn't really that important in the context of the world that i created for my thrillers Mm -hmm. so it just would have been oh look at me i mentioned covid and move on Mm -hmm. didn't make a difference to the storyline or the characters and just i just ignored it how about you Stuart? did you ignore it are you ignoring it I have. Um, I, I didn't even mention them because uh, what I try and do with my books is I don't put a time scope. I don't say January the tenth, nineteen forty-two, or this or the other. So my books could be set any time. And I think with that, it's. I, I was thinking about some type of longevity for the stories because if the stories can relate to whether it's in in the 80s, the 90s, or whatever. There are snippets of things in there, like weapons and all the rest of it, which Gavin will hopefully acknowledge to as well, because weapons and things like that are brought out at certain times. You can't say, I don't know, the, the guy had a Glock 17 
that you set the the story in 1970 because <laughs> yeah the gun guys the oh, weapons people yeah, will come they, and get you in a and second they are and they do yeah oh you can't say that because this is a nine millimeter blah 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 and on one side yeah, yeah okay thanks very much but yeah on the other thing is it's a story do you guys i, mean, I haven't had it for a while i, I think the, the biggest one was uh, multi-steel and you get a lot of people and they're more worried about what you put into it than the story namely oh well that wasn't right especially on, on amazon and all the rest of it oh i i've only given one star because um, of this bird that he talked about or this that the other go it's a story how is the story yeah that comes up yeah similar things i i even know of an author that got a one-star review the once because he was an amazon prime customer and uh and it was delivered after three days instead of the next day well that's your <laughs> yeah. fault yeah it is gotta blame yeah. somebody it's a conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracy. Yeah. you you get in there but it is true and there's well, that goes back to the question do you think about your readers oh how much how accurate do I really need to be? I sort of have a rule that says, I don't need to explain how the communication system works. It just has to work. Mm -hmm. right? And I'm, I'm going to move on. For those who want to write stories that have all that detail in it, knock yourself out. I'm not an expert on them. I don't want to spend a lot of time figuring out you know, frequency hopping and the like. I'm just going to say, he pushed the comm button and his earbud and he talked. Now, I, won't, I don't like jumping the shark where they're talking you know, 30 feet down in a bunker and they're on the cell phone. I'm like, okay, come on. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. But I don't need to, and if they did, I'd explain that. That's what I would, that's why I would say, no, that's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But usually just. So you write your story and you've done this up there, then, then you start with your editing and you go, I've put too much information in this. Yeah. This is like, there's too much information and it's just, so, it's just soaking up and even I'm getting bored. Or do you go, no, no, that's the right amount. How do you know when is enough information? I, um, I call that stuff purple haze. Um, the stuff that my eyes start glassing over, even though I'm, I may have written it. I don't, a paragraph, if it's really important, like in my first Spy Devils book, it was really important to explain how this su suitcase thing worked because that was going to be a plot point further on down. So I spent a, a full paragraph explaining how it's put together. But if it's just something... Not just something. If it's, if it's a flavor, if it's uh, something to appeal to the, that, that type of reader, I'll put a couple of sentences, I'll put a little bit in, but I'm not going to spend enough where I feel like the story has dragged and stopped, where the characters aren't growing or the conflict is lost, and now we're, we're, we're in, the, in the purple haze of this, of this stuff. And that's just, you know, that's experience in writing, I guess, or you, know, you say this is, or being a reader, this is just too much. But I like to have just enough to get to the next point, unless it's really important for the plot, and I'll put a little bit extra in there. Got you. I cheated. So all, all, all the um, – I've had some flack over this. If anybody's read my book, you'll see I've got these little sections written in italics, and it'll say at the beginning, Tradecraft, and it'll explain, explain exactly why something's done a particular way, not done another way, and how it works, and, 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 you know, and then it'll go back to the story. So you can kind of – if, you, if you're that engrossed in the story and you know how something works, if you're a seasoned operative like Joe, you know, you can just kind of, it as a film manual and you can kind of read the, the intricate bits, you know, so, uh, so I, I kind of, I was a bit naughty there and I cheated. That's oh, a I primer. Think, yeah, I it's think it's a good idea. way. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to do it. <laughs> People, yeah. I enjoy your season. <laughs> yeah. That's well seasoned. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about, how about nonfiction now? 
I mean, well, nonfiction, yeah. Kind of, you see, that's got to be careful. I, I think that um, if it's really, if it's important to the actions of the story, the crime, I've got to include it, right? That's a really tough one, you know, especially historical, uh, because you have to explain the atmosphere, the location, the city, why people are acting or reacting to certain things like the crime and in, in the way that they are. And so if you don't set up the the city and give the history, then a lot of people won't understand it. So it's kind of important, but it's tough. You have to draw the line somewhere. Uh, otherwise, it does become too much of a history class and not enough of a story. So it's it's a really, that's the hardest thing about uh, writing nonfiction. So for me, anyway. Yeah, what's been your main main challenge, Stuart, when you first got into writing fiction? What, what was the what was the bit for you that was the most challenging part? When I first started, like I say, it was just a hobby. It was just something to pass the time. I I what I didn't want was the X factor. You know, people look at your book and go, "Oh yeah, that's really good," and then behind your back they go, "That's absolutely garbage." And I think it's the whole self confidence thing when you're starting out. But until you've actually published that first book, it's, yeah, it, it's having the self-confidence and believing in this, that book that you've got going, yeah, that's good to go. And especially for um, crime writers, it, it's very hard because the market has exploded. And, you know, any, it, it's not like before where you used to get the agent, the publisher, and you used to get the big check and this, that, that. Anyone can be a writer, and I think the the problem is again you, you need to some get hold of the story, stay it through, get it out, and then just let it fly, and then whatever happens happens. Hey Stuart, can I caveat your comment there? That the uh, anyone can be a writer. Can I say anybody can publish a book? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not not everybody can be a writer, or if they have to work at it or whatever. But right now, yeah. anybody can publish a book. I mean, I've. Yeah, and I think there's a difference. I mean, the, there are some some people might actually say, "Well, your stories are garbage," which is great because you know everyone's got individual taste. But it's it's the fact: can you tell a story? How you know, are you able to put a load of words together that make some sort of sense that grip a person that holds them until the very last page, and then for them to go, "I want more." I want that next book. And I think that is the hard, hardest part that we've got because you start reading your own works, especially when you're editing and all the rest of it, and you go, really? How much can I actually cut? And I hate editing because you know that you've got to cut something out. But you know, it's believing in your work. And like you say, Joe, yeah, don't give a, yeah, don't give a damn about the, the reader because this is my book. I believe in it. This is the way it is. If you don't like it, that's fine, because somebody will. Yeah, the book is an extension of who you are, so you're putting yourself out there, and that takes a lot of courage yeah. in some sense. And like any other art, not everybody, not everybody's artwork. If you go to an art museum, and it's not to everybody's taste. You know, not everybody liked Picasso when he first started painting. Oh, so you're Picasso now. <laughs> <laughs> you're Picasso. But I think that goes back to the thing about do you listen to your readers? You can't. You have to. You have to do your story and go. No, this is 
how I want it, regardless, because 20% might go, oh, I don't like the way that went, but all the rest, you know, whose will do you bend to? No, yours. It's your story. That's the way you like it. The end. Well, that's why I say to my fans, I actually put a little piece of paper in a book that I send directly is, I, I, reviews are welcome. Constructive comments are welcome. Mm-hmm. Right, feedback, the negative stuff, it just says, hey, you did this wrong. That doesn't, that doesn't yeah. help me become become better. But something constructive criticism, let it rip. So I know what to do now if I want to get better. Is just go and read all your, all your reviews and then work, work <laughs> yeah. up from there. All, all two of them. <laughs> St- Stuart's got so many more reviews. You guys you guys swamp me. Oh, don't read my reviews. Oh, yeah, talk, to, talk to my wife and my kids. Oh, they're my reviews. That's about it. Yeah, that's, that's the hardest part, I think, isn't it? Harder than writing the book, you're getting the reviews. When I first started writing, I'd say it was just a project. A friend of mine read it, thought, yeah, that's a good book. You should get it published. But what I did was I got about 10 of um, the USB data sticks, and I copied the book, and I gave it to the wives of the soldiers and said, yes, you kind of know me because I'm working on the gate, but you don't know me enough to be objective. Read it and let me know if, if you didn't like it. Just be honest and tell me what you didn't like about it. Now, 10 people are going to come out with 10 different likes or hates. But what you're looking for is the one constant. And that is where you've got to go, okay, well, they all liked that or they all hated that. And that is, for me, it's the same with Amazon reviews. Um, you look at the one constant. And not the, I didn't like it. That's it. Yeah. I, I did actually have one review that says, didn't like it. Didn't give a reason why or anything, just didn't like it. Well, yeah, great. But that doesn't help me whatsoever. Hunt them down. Take them out. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Stuart has friends. Yeah. Start using your connections. So your your location, how detailed? Because you said it, you you love New York and 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 traveling and stuff. So how detailed do you make your location in your book? How important is that to you? I think very because what you try and do is draw the person into that story. Now I, I've had a lot of people and the, yet the crime fest in Bristol. You meet a lot of people there and they say, "Oh, we really liked your book," and yeah. And I liked the way you described that park or this, that, or the other. And it, it helps bring the person into that story. And especially if you've got an in, an incident where you, know, you want the person to feel terrified or have fear for your, your character because you're basically asking the reader to fill in the blanks. You're asking them because you want to give them enough information that they can fill in the blanks. My first book, like I say, I gave out several data sticks, and this one woman came and she went, I couldn't finish the first, I couldn't finish the book. The murders were that horrific. And I said, what murders? You don't see any murders. You see the person getting snatched, and then the next thing you know, the police are finding the body. You don't see any murders. And she went, Oh, yeah. She filled in the blanks. So whatever she came up with and, you know, seek help here. But And that's what we do. We create a world and ask the reader to fill in that blanks. Yeah, I love that. Are there, are there any um, authors that you, uh, you know, actively follow that you draw inspiration from or that have helped inspire you with your writing? I don't read. I, um, 
I can't sit still long enough. I I do a lot of audible books, especially when I'm because I do roaming patrols in the vehicle, and I I listen to a lot of audible. And I've done a lot of the, the Jack Reachers. At the minute, I'm, I'm just starting with the, who was it? Um, Paul Grit, Gritton, Gitchum, Paul Gitchum, um, his books, uh, because it's very diverse. Um, but anyone who's influenced, I really can't say that I'm influenced by anybody. I know that's very arrogant to say that. I'm supposed to mention the hosts. That's <laughs> the polite thing to do. Say, well, yeah, Joe, Gavin. I mean, absolutely. I think we're all on Audible, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, Stuart, how do you deal with your bad guys? How do you interact with them? I have, in the one John Steele book, I've got this one bad guy, Mr. Williams, He's a constant bad guy. He is basically the Moriarty. He is the the Magneto. He's the yin and yang to steel. And I love that character because even though they're you know, good and bad, they're almost alike. So you've got those. But as for the uh, the other bad guys, yeah, burn them. You just want them to get a horrible death or get their comeuppance that they actually deserve. Yeah, you make them as nasty as possible, and then you just finish them off as nicely as possible. If only it was that way in real life. <laughs> and how do you, how, how do you write violence on the page? Are you conscious of it? I think with violence, you need to be careful. You really need to be careful, especially nowadays in today's climate. Now, if it's a gunfight or something like that, it's what basically people are reading about. Yeah, they want to people read the Bond books or the Bourne books or whatever for, because that's what they know. That's what they're reading it for. But I think other violence, we need to be very, very careful. It's like a, the death of a victim. And I try not to show how a person gets murdered because, again, people might get upset. You know, how could you do to this to the woman or the child or whatever? But apparently, and this is one fact that came up on the crime fest, if you hurt an animal, yeah, that's the worst thing you could ever... You can slaughter millions, but you kill a dog, yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah, John Wickfield proof of that. Well, it's true. You kill an animal and it's hard. You know, when you kill people, Gavin there, he's upset. He puts the book down. You're right. Soft. Soft, yeah. He's light, you know, but... um yeah, don't kill an animal. So what do you get out of the writing of books, Stuart? At the at the end of the day, when you when you finish a book, do you think you you gain something from it? Do you change as a writer or as a person? I get an idea for a story. It might be a slight idea, and then I, I need to get it out. And then once it's out, I wouldn't say it's almost like a drug, but it's something that gnaws at me. I need to get that story out. Once that's... That idea has got into my head. I need to get it out into the world because I just love writing. Call it a vocation because you get some people and they just write because they want to write. And then you get others and they just love to write. The same as musicians or snooker players or golfers or whatever. It's something that we feel that we love to do and we want to share it with the world. Have you got anyone there translating it to German for you? I've actually spoken to my publisher and 
I, I'm with Next Chapter. Uh, it's a fairly new publisher, and they've got it in Spanish. They've got all my books in Spanish for some reason, and I've said, you need to look at Germany because there is a massive... The, the Germans love crime thrillers. They're absolutely mad for it. I was just going to ask what, what the main differences are between John Steele and Ronin Nash. Are they complete polar opposites, or is, is Ronin Nash a mark two of John Steele? Uh, John Steele is, like I say, is MI8, if you like, secret agent, and he, he is the action character. He's the bloke who's going to jump off buildings or like jump into helicopters, guns blazing, all the rest of it. He, yeah. Ronin Nash is complete opposite. He's an investigator. He's the guy who sits down and tries to work out the puzzle. He's not into violence. Uh, even though he's an ex- Army Ranger, he doesn't like getting into a situation where he's got to fight because he's more of a thinker than an action person. And, uh, and where do the inspiration for your characters come when you, you, you know, the other characters, secondary characters in the book? Are, are they generally people you know and people in your life or, uh, or, or are they all uh, your own creations? No, they're, they're just, like I say, I'll start writing and a character will pop up and then I've just... I've got this massive stick, stickets because, and notebooks all over the place because when a character pops up, I need to start making notes. Right. This is Sam McCall. She's so, you know, hot. That's her height. This, that, the other, or else I'll just get lost. I don't, they just appear. Um, I've just got a really mad imagination. Or you drink a lot. Um, give them a choice. <laughs> Not as much, not as much as I used to. But. Do you do social media? Do you have website? Um, do you like to interact with readers? Um, yeah, uh, I like to get. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter because you do like to hear from people. Every morning, I've just put out this morning or evening to all that's got yeah, happy Monday or this or the other because something that started out as a joke yeah, is now people expect it quite mad because this one day I didn't do it and somebody went, are you all right? Yeah, is everything okay? Well, yeah. People care about you. You're like, yeah, just because I didn't do one day. And and that's the thing. It, it is nice to know that yeah, people are looking out for you, even though they don't pop up every five minutes or this or the other. But yeah, I do like to interact because at the end of the day, they're the people I'm writing for. And that's why I like doing the crime test. I'm actually off to uh, bloody Scotland in September and Iceland Noir in November because you get to meet the people that you're actually writing for. And it, it just gives you that nice sense that somebody is actually looking at your work. You're not like Joe writing for the money. <laughs> Only for the cash, baby. <laughs> in cash we trust. Only the money. Money? Well, you get paid for it. <laughs> I'm doing something wrong. I'm, I'm paying everybody else. Yeah. No, no, Gavin has arranged it so all your deposits go into his account, you see. <laughs> yes, yeah. he's sneaky. He's, a, he's secret service <laughs> there. He's got things going yeah. on. Yeah, you think you've sold like two books and you've, you know, he's he's getting all the cash. Oh, that's it, I've, I've been rumbled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you ever, Stuart, have you ever had a story that you've um, started to write and worked on for a while and then all of a sudden it just stalls or you can't finish it? Yes, I've got three at the moment. I'm I'm working on three books at the moment, and at the moment because my work, because I do shift work, and it 
tends to get in the way because you need time to sit and let your imagination run and if you're coming off night shift and all the rest of it. So I'm working on John Steele's Seven, which is technically the book, basically what happened to Steele after he got shot, the beginnings of Steel and Shadows, because I think people wanted to know well, what actually happened to him in between that, that period and that period. Working on um, Ronin Nash 2, and I'm also working on a book that's going to have three short stories, which is short stories for Nash, Dale, and uh, D.I. Platt, who was the detective in my last book, or double book, which was a friend of the family. All right, how many people you know that you killed off in your books? Did I actually know? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. want the truth. I want some names. If you're, you're made at the pub, next thing you know, like, eh, I'm going to kill you by next <laughs> buddy. I haven't got that mug yet. If you mess me with me, you'll end up, yeah. <laughs> end up in the book. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for having me, sir. Yeah, and we'll have everything up on our website so people can find you real easy. So, of course, our guest has been the action thriller writer, Stuart Field. So thank you for being here. And a pleasure to know you all. Thank you. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.